What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Junkyard. I am your host, Junkyard James. Oh, scissor me, daddy. Let's get going. Here on another episode here of The Junkyard, we're going to talk, as you can see in the title, talk a little bit about the CM Punk drama that seems to be unraveling here more and more and more. And I'm also going to uh, start a new segment here to... uh, the kind of transition to the end of the show here. It's going to be called the junkyard power rankings. It's going to be the top five, something wrestling related. Uh, today's episode, we're doing the top five women's wrestlers of the divas era. And I think you're going to enjoy my list. And then we'll close by allowing some time for me to read some of the chats that'll show up. So if you're here watching, leave a comment, a question, something, follow along in the chat, Um, join the, uh, or click the link in the bio. You can find all of our pertinent information in that link, the link tree link there, merch and everything else. I'm back on my computer. If you, uh, Remembered last Thursday the the glitchiness of the system uh, on the Colin Audible's podcast, which records every Thursday, 9 p.m. here on this same channel, the Junkyard Media Group, YouTube, and Facebook page. I appreciate everyone for taking some time out of their day to, uh, to listen to me ramble. But without further ado, let's get going with the Junkyard. And so I'm sure if you're, you're anything of a wrestling fan, casual or hardcore, you have seen in some sort of news format the drama that seems to be reoccurring with CM Punk and All Elite Wrestling. To be completely honest with you, I've just had about enough of it. I love CM Punk as a wrestler. I think he's one of the best of this generation. He has done a lot to help progress wrestling uh especially the independent scene and i i was i had him with an open arms when he came back to to aews uh a year or so ago i i was fully appreciative that he would consider coming back after his long hiatus and he has looked a bit uh suspect in the ring he's not as good as he once was but that comes with age and and so that you come to expect that what i don't like is the behind the scenes drama that apparently is happening this all started remember um about a year ago with the what i like to call the fallout of all out brawl out and if you if you don't know what i'm talking about after the AEW All Out pay-per-view last year, CM Punk got in a fight with a couple of the other wrestlers, Matt Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega of the Elite, which resulted in all of them being suspended, and, and they're all back now, and it seems like the drama is kicking back up again. 
And quite honestly, I'm not convinced the drama is legitimate. There's still an inkling of me, I think 50% of myself, that thinks this is some sort of worked shoot. That there was initially drama. That there was initially drama. They've squashed the beef. But now let's use this drama to tell a story. And, and let me explain to you why I feel and it's possibly that. Because it's, it's one of two, th- two things is going on. And, and I saw this tweet on, well, I don't, I don't know what it's called. I saw this on X today, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. That there's two options for what's going on with CM Punk in this drama. Um, now, regarding the title drama with the hunk and the punk, uh, the latest drama is apparently CM Punk got in a bit of a squabble with Ryan Nemeth, whose nickname, at least in wrestling character, is The Hunk. And it just rhymed. So, I don't know. I thought it was a cool a cool name for the show or for the, the episode. Um, but anyways, apparently the drama here is at some point Punk came up to Nemeth, which... Okay, and they got into a verbal argument over something, supposedly, possibly Ryan Nemeth's tweet that was posted when Punk made his re-debut after his suspension and healing up from his injury, where he said something along the lines of, this man's literally the softest man alive or something like that, somewhere around those lines, Um, and Punk was not up not good with that. Uh, at some point, it, it resulted in apparently Ryan Nemeth being escorted out of the building and not used for that collision taping this past Saturday. Other news has come out that he had uh, that Adam Hangman Page was told to come to collision on Saturday, but was later then told not to show up at the arena and to do his uh, promo somewhere at another vicinity because of some sort of beef with punk. We saw punk after collision make that, uh, that shoot promo shooting on Adam page saying that punk actually sells merch and, and North Carolina's hangman page country, but no one wants to buy his action figure, but CM punk actually sells merch. There's just a lot going on in terms of CM punk. And like I said, I'm not convinced that this is legitimate. I I feel like this is an angle. Let me explain why. And and if you're in here, share in the comments what you think about CM Punk. Is this is this legit beef with the elite and some of the people who maybe are on the side of the elite, or or is this a worked a worked scenario? Let me explain why I could believe it's a work scenario. Let's pu- let's pull up what's going on next Sunday in Wembley Stadium. All in. There's a match being set up. FTR versus the Young Bucks for the title. CM Punk supposedly is maybe fighting Samoa Joe. I don't know if that's been made official official, to be honest with you. Kenny Omega... Tonight is supposed to talk about his future, what he's going to do at Wembley Stadium, and all in. I'm assuming maybe he'll have a match. 
to me, this is a perfect time to bring back the CM Punk, the elite drama from All Out last year to set up a match for All Out this year. So we have the Young Bucks fighting FTR at All In the week prior. We know the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are part of the CM Punk drama, and we know that FTR is good friends with Punk. So why not use this tag team match to start a feud for the next week, the pay-per-view all in. And let's, let's use this feud as a way to draw numbers to, to get people to tune into all in the week prior. Having two pay-per-views essentially back to back is very hard for a company to provide storyline for both shows. This would, this would instantly be a main event classic. You don't have to have any sort of gimmick for this trios match. You wouldn't have to have any sort of like lead up to it. The lead up's been a year in the making. The Elite versus CM Punk with FTR. It's convenient to me that out, out of out of the blue, we've gone several months without any CM Punk drama. Uh, initially, at least from what I can tell, there's been no CM Punk drama for the last couple months. And now we're a few weeks away from All In and a week a week after All In's All Out. And now there's more CM Punk drama with Hangman. You can't tell me that they're not using this for storyline. I feel we're going to have the elite Kenny Omega and the Bucks versus CMFTR at All Out 2023 in Chicago. And this is just a way for them to work us. Let me know what you think. If it's if this is legitimate beef, though, let, let, let me consider for that for uh, that apparent reason. Maybe this is legitimate. If it is legitimate, then CM Punk needs to go. He's too toxic. If this is legitimate beef and he's going to have beef with everybody that as presumably doesn't like him or doesn't initiate him or or whatever, he is the most toxic man in the world. He's the most toxic man in the locker room, and he needs to go. Ace Steel needs to go. Oh, I don't know if you remember, fight. Uh, Ace Steel wasn't let go, and Fightful... Uh, Fightful release on their Patreon, again, as Sean Rossap likes to say, Patri the Patreon page for Fightful.com, the best five bucks you can spend in the wrestling industry. There's a little free advertising for you. Um, Ace Steel's on the payroll still, and he's now finally coming back to some sort of role. Isn't it convenient? But let's just say this is legit. Ace Steel needs to go. CM Punk needs to go. I saw on TikTok uh, somebody... Uh, suggesting that the elite needs to be fired and hangman needs to be fired. I don't think so because the problems didn't exist in the locker room before CM Punk showed up and they didn't exist while he was gone. So he's the common denominator. And so in any time that there's any sort of drama going on, you have, you have to find the common denominator. The drama started here. It didn't exist before this person or that this scenario take, took place. This scenario was taken out of the equation for a while. We brought the scenario or that person back and the drama reappeared. The common denominator is that scenario or that person. And that person needs to go. 
Unfortunately, in this instance, that person is CM Punk. And I love him as a wrestler. But if this is legitimate beef and he's going to have legitimate problems with people who are are below the mid-card level of talent, because let's just be honest, Ryan Nemeth isn't used really for anything except for enhancement matches. That's just his his spot in the card right now. I think he's a really good talent. He's going to have a bright future, hopefully with AEW. If this is legitimate and you're going to have squabbles with a man who isn't even really a factor in your lead up to something, that's just a problem with me. If you can't have relationships in your company where you're working with people that you uh, vehemently disagree with and you're not adult enough to just deal with the, the the person in a way that's not going to cause drama you're just not built for the workforce there's going to be people in every job that you have that you disagree with on something whether it be your political opinion or how they do their job or whatever it may be if you can't get along with those people inside the workforce you're going to have a hard time, you know, going through life. And I feel like CM Punk feels like he has a silver spoon that should be fed to him because he's done his work in the industry. And I know he, deep down in his heart, he really wants to help push Collision to be a good show. But it seems like he's building a lot of drama. So it's either he's the most toxic person in a wrestling locker room. And that's another point. The locker room of, of any wrestling locker room is going to have drama. It has been for since its inception. But CM Punk may be the most toxic man ever to step foot in a wrestling locker room. Or they're working us. And, and they're pushing CM Punk to be this NWO, Hulk Hogan-esque like character. Look at the similarities. He's doing some of Hulk Hogan's moves. The leg drop. Things like that. He painted the big X over his title, like Hulk Hogan painted NWO on the big gold belt. I wouldn't put it past Tony Khan to this just be a one big work to set up a match at All Out. The Elite versus Punk and FTR. And if Hangman needs to be a part of it, then I don't know, put Ace Steel in the match. I don't know who would fill that fourth role. Maybe Ricky Starks. Those Starks and Punk are feuding, or were feuding at this point. You could pick some some crony of Punk's to to sit there and and be the fourth guy if you had to include Adam Page. I'm not convinced this is legitimate. I'm not convinced this is a work either. I'm on the fence. I'm 50-50. But I'm excited to see it all in in Wembley Stadium what happens. Do they set up for all out? If they don't set up at all in for all out, then I'm going to lean more to the fact that this may be legitimate, which means he's having fights with Ryan Nemeth. He's having fights with Hangman Page. He's He's doing promos that are really unnecessary after the show. He's having beef with Jungle Boy Jack Perry. 
all of this seems to be coming out at once, and it's it, it doesn't seem like it's being released on accident at the same time. Like it's deliberately being released all at the same time, all making CM Punk look bad. To me, this shows. Okay, I'm fifty-one forty-nine in work in favor of that it, it's a work, but I need a little bit more convincing. Like I said, let me know in the chat what you think. Is the CM Punk thing a work or not? We're going to transition here for a minute. And we're going to we're going to start this next segment here after this break. And this word from tomorrow's show, the Colin Audible's podcast. That's right. You can catch the Colin Audible's podcast here at 9 o'clock every Thursday on the Junkyard Media Group Facebook and YouTube page. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about the preseason college football polls and some other things as well. So tune in at 9 o'clock tomorrow. Let's talk with the Colin Audible boys on the Colin Audible podcast. Now let's get back to, to some wrestling talk here. Before we get going again, just Go down to the the link in the bio or in the description of the video. Click the link there. You can find the link to the Twitter page, the YouTube channel, all the podcast links and merch links to both the Junkyard Podcast and the Colin Audible's Podcast merch links. Again, the link tree link below gives you all of that. So let's get going with this next segment here. Like I said, this is going to be called the Junkyard Power Rankings. Essentially, the, the point of this segment is I'm going to rank the, my top five something wrestling related. So the topic can change every week or every episode. I, I hope to make this weekly at some point, but every episode, the topic may be different. This episode's topic, my top five women of the quote-unquote divas era. Let me tell you what was so great about the Divas era. This is when I, I, I was started up growing growing up watching wrestling, growing into being a wrestling fan. I was a young kid at the time. And it lasted for quite a while. I'd say um, mid-2000s, all the way till about 2015 when the, the, Diva, the women's revolution started. Let's say when you phased out these so-called Divas, and, not, and they called them female superstars. So they did their job to the best of their ability, and they fit the part of the show that they wanted. Commentary always pushed them in a good direction. Was it a little bit ruthless at times? Yes. Did they kind of objectify the women at times? Yes. That was the style back in the day, and they and they were given the time that they could get. get and they did a lot of these women did their job very well. Did I wish at some point that? 
there were better matches, you know, yes. But as a, a growing kid, like seeing a bra and panties match was pretty cool. Seeing them wrestle in mud was pretty cool. Looking back on it now as an adult, uh, probably it wasn't it wasn't great, but at the time it was it was entertaining, and that's what WWE has always wanted was some sort of entertainment factor, and uh, the ad, the uh, phrase "sex sells" it's pretty true. Um, you take a look at a lot of Hollywood, a lot of. Um, avenues today things like only fans and things sex sells objectifying yourself for money sells and you can make a lot of money as a woman and as a man let's just be honest by if you look good and are attractive you can sell your appearance so uh let me get going with the top five women in my opinion of the divas era we'll start with number five and go with stacy keebler um Stacey Keebler was one of my favorite, just honestly, by her looks. She was, to me, the hottest of all the women at that time. Uh, she wasn't great in the ring. A lot of the women in the early 2000s weren't. I just love Ke- uh, Stacey Keebler because of her. Uh, she was in WCW for a while. And then she moved over to WWE when when they when WCW went out of business. And I just, I don't know, she was always my favorite Again, because I thought she was the most attractive of all the women on the roster. That's why she's number five. I can't think of a single Stacey Keebler match. I liked her um, her work as a manager. She did really she did really well. I, I, I'm at the top of my lungs. I think she was with the Dudleys at one point, um, and those were some of some good moments there. But I can't think of one individual single match that stood out in terms of in ring work. But she was hot. She's, you know, she sold the part well. And so she has to deserve a list, uh, a part on this list. Number four, I'm going Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus would, if she was in her prime during the women's revolution, would be what Charlotte Flair is into this generation. Trish Stratus was great in the ring. She was athletic, beautiful, attractive. She fit both parts. She would have fit perfectly in this modern era of women's wrestling. Unfortunately, she grew up in this era where bra and panties matches and, and those pillow fight matches and, and all of that were were prevalent in the women's division. She did have a good rivalry with Mickey James and Lita. Both of them could have made my list, but uh, because of some women later on up the card, I put them off the list. And Trish Stratus sits at four. She, in a way, led to what became the women's revolution. Without her contributions and her athleticism and her matches, I don't think there would have ever been a women's revolution. Because, like, damn, it took near damn near 20 years after she was out of her prime to even get to that point. So if she would have never been a wrestler in the era that she was, how much longer would it have taken? Number three, we're going to go back to someone that legitimately was only on the roster for as long as I think she was because of how attractive she was. And that's Kelly Kelly. 
And again, sex sells. She was entertaining. She was attractive. I put her on the list because as a kid growing up, I played a lot of the WWE video games. And when I played the women's with the women's roster, I always play as Kelly Kelly. Her I loved her theme music. I just loved her presentation. She was attractive. She fit the mold of what Vince wanted at the time. And was she was she like top a uh, top woman wrestler in the ring? Was her in-ring work any good? Uh, not really. She she could have improved a lot. I don't think she would have been cut out for this modern era of women's wrestling. But where she fit in, she fit in well. I love Kelly Kelly. She, you know, she played her part very well. Top top five in my list, third overall. Now, number two is a tag team. And number two and number one, I think, should get more credit for the women's revolution than they do. Number two are the Bellas. I love Nikki and Brie Bella. They, their acting skills were outrageously like so terrible to the fact that you couldn't help but laugh and watch and see what they were going to do to, to try to entertain us. But they were really good in the ring. They had really good feuds. Their feud with each other was top-notch. Their feud with AJ Lee was great. They had really good matches with just about anybody on the card. You think people at this time, like Alicia Fox and Summer Rae and things like that, they would they would make all of these women better than they were at the time. They would always give somebody a really good match. I'd say Nikki was a little bit better than Brie, in my opinion. Without them, I don't think women's a women's tag team division would ever have existed. I wish the Bellas could have had the women's tag team belts. Because they were so good as a tag team. I just love brother or sister tag teams, and the Bellas pulled it off really well. Now, number one, I think that... I think this is easy to say the best woman of the so-called divas era, the person that really, in my opinion, ushered in the women's revolution without this woman. I don't think we get the women's revolution. AJ Lee. Now I'm sitting here shitting on CM Punk, her husband. I loved Punk as a wrestler. I just think he's kind of a, maybe possibly a toxic guy in the locker room, but I love AJ Lee. She was so fantastic. She was sexy in a quirky kind of way. Really good in the ring. Really good sports entertainer. Really good wrestler. I think she could still wrestle today. Take a look at some of her photo shoots from recent history, the last couple weeks or months. She looks jacked. She looks better than she has always looked. Her contract apparently is up with Women of Wrestling. I would love to see Tony Khan bring her in for AEW or her to go back to WWE either way. AJ Lee is the is the girl that I feel like gets gets gypped of a lot of recognition for the women's revolution because she was phasing herself out as Charlotte and Becky and 
Bailey and Sasha and Alexa Bliss and all of these women were coming in and the and the women's revolution really began. AJ Lee was phasing herself out because I think she had had enough of the shit that these women had to put up with. But her her page debuts against her and they have this little feud. It was just so beautiful of a moment. AJ Lee played that part. Well, she was like she could play a heel and a face equally as good as you know one of the best in the, I think in women's wrestling history at least on the WWE side. And I hope to see her in the ring at one some point again. I don't know if she ever if she has the desire to I hope she does. AJ Lee in my opinion may go down as one of the best women in wrestling history to ever strap up the boots. Um, she's probably my favorite women's wrestler of my time growing up. Um, but I don't know. Let me know in the comments below, guys, who your top five women of the Divas era could be. And I know I missed a lot. Let me let me tell you though. Like I grew up, kind of an average child, wasn't really watching for the point of whatever, you know, and, and growing up, like the women didn't really get the respect they deserved. I was, uh, I've always been fans of tag team wrestling. So the, the Hardys and the Adanji Christian and the Dudleys and, and teams like that, like tag team wrestling and, and, and men's wrestling in general. Um, I'm more familiar with, especially in this era, this time frame of, of pro wrestling. Um, but yeah, those are my top five women of the Divas era. And so typically at this point, um, I would go through the chat and I would read some of the comments on the chat, but I kind of announced this last minute. So I know there's not, you know, and this is live during dynamite. So I know there's people that probably won't listen or won't comment, or won't be watching at this point. So there's no comments for me to to read. And that's all good. We're trying to build this thing from the ground up here on the Junkyard Media Group. But typically this would be the point after this segment where I would go through some of the chat and we could have a conversation there. Um, and... Uh, At this point, I think we're gonna we're gonna shut it down. We're gonna we're gonna call it a night. I hope you you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Tune in tomorrow, 9 p.m. here on the same channel. Listen to the Calling Audibles podcast. I'm the host there as well with my boy Cody, with Jeremy and Josh. We'll be talking college football a little bit, maybe a little bit of baseball. We'll see we'll see what if any big news comes up here in the near future. And uh, we will talk here again shortly. As for now, this has been another episode of The Junkyard. I'm your host, Junkyard James. And I'll see you on the other side. Y'all have a good night. And I'll see y'all tomorrow.